Amen. Thank you, Father. Okay. Well, I pray that you are blessed um, this morning, that you've had a week that has um, really encouraged you or strengthened you. Um, I pray that God will just speak to you through this word. This, I've been encouraged over the last few weeks just on different things. I've been reading the Bible and studying about um, the tree of life um, in the scriptures and, and how it relates in terms of the, the beginning and the end of the scriptures. Um, first of all, we see it in Genesis and then also we see it in Revelations. And just how that applies in terms of our, our, our prayer life and how God wants to use us. And I, I believe God has a word for us in, in that context, in terms of how we build, in terms of our prayers, how our roots need to be very clear and embedded and strengthened. And one of the things I learned is that actually trees, trees don't necessarily have deep roots. Uh, I always believed that roots needed to be deep to be anchored and to be strong. But actually, the roots of a tree are, are elongated. They, they, they stretch out horizontally rather than in terms of depth. And I just really believe that the Lord wants to change some of our perceptions of how we need to transform, how we need to change, how we need to move in terms of prayer. I've been really encouraged by the words that have been happening um, from Pastor Nikki, um, from John Mark, and Pastor Mecca. And th those senses of identity that Pastor Nikki has been praying in terms of our, our identity in Christ and who we are, are such important components to our continual change and transformation. And just in terms of what uh, John Mark preached last week, just in the context of um, being on the cusp of change, being on the cusp of God pouring out his spirit on us. And I believe the Lord has a message for me today. I, I thought over the last three weeks that I was going to teach and, and um, share on aspects of the tree of life and aspects of on prayer just as the Lord has been thinking. But that hasn't been what God wants me to share. And, and what I believe he wants me to share on is, is us being and having a continued, a continued change life, a continued change life that when we become Christians, our lives don't stop transforming. They don't stop moving from one state to another. And sometimes what the Lord has shared with me is that our lives can become stagnant. Um, sometimes we can come, become complacent. And sometimes we just kind of we just kind of move or go with the flow. But I believe God wants us to be more energized in the context of our lives and our, and our walks with him. He wants us to understand and he wants us to know that our lives are not stagnant. Our lives are not um, mediocre, but our lives should be continually changing. We should be purposefully changing. And there are a few areas I want to think about from right back to the beginning of when we started that change and how that change happened to kind of when these changes form. And I think over the last few weeks, we've been seeing that. One in the sense of our identity. Now, in order to understand change, in order to understand who we are, sometimes we need to go backwards. Now, with the tree of life and um, um, in terms, so there's, a, there's the tree of life in the Bible, 
but we also have this essence of the tree of life in psychology. And I use it in work, it's a, it's a therapeutic process that we use at work um, for systemic dynamics and systemic therapy, which looks at stories and how stories enable us to move, enable us to change, enable us to move forward in our lives, especially when there's storms or situations that happen. Now, I've taught on storms um, before, but there's something significant about being rooted and understanding our roots. Now, roots hold very much the essence of who we are. They think to and they look to, and when we look at the, the kind of um, theories or um, um, understanding of what roots mean in a spiritual context, they, they kind of look at where we came from. So they look at where we were born, how we came from a seed. Now, when a seed germinates, when it dies and it grows, there's one main kind of root stem. And from that root stem, everything else starts to grow. Everything else starts to form. Now, sometimes that can be um, de determined or dependent on the type of soil, the type of place it is, how it becomes embedded, how it becomes strong, whether it's going to sustain, whether those areas are going to move. Now, when we think about that in a spiritual context, when we think about that in terms of where the Lord wants us and how the Lord wants us to grow, there are so many different dynamics, but we are not limited. Amen? We are not limited by where we are. Why? Because our lives change and transform. God is in the transformation business. He's in the business of seeing our lives move from one state of glory to another. And it doesn't happen once. Yes, we repent. Yes, we ask Jesus to come into our lives. And we are changed and transformed. But it doesn't end there. And I'm so glad it doesn't. Because if it ended there, we will still be rooted back in history. And our old lives will determine how we move forward. But you know what? Jesus, Jesus is our sustainer. Now, the Bible talks about Jesus and God being the vine, the true vine. And the essence of him being the true vine means that we have capacity to not rely on self, not to rely on our who we are, but we have the capacity to rely on him. We have the ability to rely on him. And because we rely on him, we are able to grow in a much different, a much better, and a much, um, a, a, a much more grounded way. I tried, to, um, I tried to look back at where I was coming from, um, and the Lord took me to this new role, actually. Now, one of the things when you start a new job, and I don't know, you started your new job, right, Dora? You start tomorrow, okay. So I pray this is relevant for you. One of the things about the job, right, that I've not struggled with, but I've found difficult, is this. You kind of, you kind of one day, you go for your job interview, you sit there knowing that you can be better, right? And what you do is in that moment, you convince a panel. On my panel, there were like seven people. There were seven people, and they're all like senior directors, heads of services, director of thing. And I, I just finished COVID. I just they had to move the interview because I had COVID. I was kind of fuzzy. I was sweating. I had to put on a tie. Can you imagine? I had to put on a tie, and I wasn't even in the room 
where they were. This was online. This was a virtual interview. But I had to put on a tie. So I had my tie. I had a, a whole array of ties because I couldn't work out which one. Um, but the tie that I had it came up short. Then I had to re-lengthen it. You know, I haven't worn a tie. I can't remember the last time I wore a tie. I think Aaron at some point was reteaching me how to do it. But you go to this interview. You sit down knowing who you are and where you've been, right? And then you convince these guys, a bit like driving, you know, you only need to get it right once for the driving instructor, and then that's it, you're done. But you still develop with your driving, you still get some skills, you start to learn how to, you know, burn rubber, make the wheel screech. You know, when I was growing up, there was this whole thing about getting puffs out of the, the exhaust. Do you remember that, Pete? You used to be able to get puffs and all that nonsense, these lot, they just, they've got electric cars now, and that's what they're looking to, no puffing of, of anything, right? So getting back, I'm going off jaunt, and I, I need to make sure I watch the time. You sit there, you convince these guys, and they give you a job. Then from giving you a job, you all of a sudden need to become this person that you've not pretended, but kind of convinced them that you know what you're doing, because you're worth that being in that role, because, you know, sometimes you need more money. Sometimes you need to prove to yourself that you can do the things that you're doing. But deep down inside, you're thinking, oh my gosh, well, I certainly was for this interview. Hey, do I really know what I'm doing? Do I know? It's all right managing a few people, but managing a whole service. And when I was reading and when I was studying this, I was I'm trying to, I'm, the Lord brought to me, actually, what does it mean to change from one state to another? And why in life do we continue to change? It's so important. You know, we don't necessarily think that, you know, one day you're 15, the next day you're 16, that there's a massive transformation. You don't go to bed, and then all of a sudden your toes have grown a little bit longer. You're a bit, a bit longer in the arms. You don't wake up necessarily the next day feeling that you're 16. What's the difference? Who's 16 here? All right, stand up, Juju. <laughs> so, Juju, when you were 15, yeah, when you were 15, how did it feel? The same as when you were 14. And how did it feel when you became 16? Brilliant. Right. So the expectations of the world when you move from one birthday to another, one date to another, the expectation is more about other people, right? They expect you to grow up. So when you're 16, they expect you, right, you know what, now you have to, now you're going to become a young woman or a young man. When you move from 17 to 18, there's certain things that become legal in this country. If you're in America, it's 21. You know, there's different things and different expectations we have. When I went for that job, I convinced them that I was able to do something which I still needed to evolve into. It's the same in our walk with Christ. There are things that we are not going to understand when we're in one state into another. When we were in sin, we were transformed in terms of glory, right? The Holy Spirit came in and our lives were changed and transformed. But sometimes we woke up 
still wanting to do the thing that we did yesterday. What's that about? But the Bible says that he changes us from one state of glory to another. Now, this is what I, this is what I started to understand, is that the onus is not just on God, but it's on us. It's on who we are. It's on our identity. It's on where we've come from and where we want to go to. Let me do, let's, let's turn to the scriptures. I'm jumping a little bit about, but it's relevant. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Brilliant. It says this. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. I want to read it in a slightly different version. It says this. Desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. We need to understand, one, that we need to change. Two, why we need to change. And three, what that change is going to be in order for us to be successful in how we're going to do and what we're going to do in the future. God doesn't just tell us to change. He gives us the tools. He gives us his word which is his promises that he's going to do his part. And then we need to move in terms of that glory. We need to desire it. We need to want it. If we don't want it, it's not going to happen. It's not gonna, you're not magically going to wake up one day and be 16 or be 18 or be 50 or whatever age it is. That knowledge and understanding doesn't happen by accident. It happens... Because of purpose and deliberacy. Where's um, Caleb? Is he in the toilet? Where's Caleb? Caleb, stand up for me, bro. Yeah, we're clapping for Caleb. Caleb is, is a very cool dude, okay? So, Caleb, tell me. I remember when I first came to Medway, okay, you were into football, right? And you were doing football, and basketball was kind of a thing. Now, let's not talk about the prophetic word that you got. I still remember that word from Prophet Anna. Can you imagine? That word is coming to fruition at the moment. But when you changed from basketball and from football to basketball, how was it for you? Did you wake up one day just thinking, oh, I'm going to play basketball? I want to play basketball. Did it happen like that? Yeah? Brilliant. So one day, in your mind, you decided... You know what? I'm done with football. Basketball is going to be my thing. Now, when you decided that and you went to sleep, the next day were you a brilliant basketball player? What did you have to do? Practice. And the days that you found it difficult to practice, what did you do? You carried on. You pressed in. Listen, if anything we want in life... Thank you, Caleb. You can sit down. If anything we want in life that is meaningful, that we desire, if we want that thing, we have to challenge ourselves. We have to push ourselves. And it's the same with our faith. Our faith cannot be just a nonchalant 
or ambivalent state of being. We can't be in an ambivalent state of being. Listen, young people, when your parents are forcing you to be a Christian, it's hard, I shouldn't say that, but I know what that means. I know what it's like. When your parents are telling you that you need to be Christ-like, you need to be more Christ-like, you need to stop doing the things that you're doing, you need to think about what God will do, but yet your mindset isn't quite there. You desire to understand what your parents have. You desire and you think, you know what, I want to be a Christian, but it's hard. What do you do? How do you move from that state of glory or from that state to a state of understanding and glory? And the Bible says it here. Desire without knowledge is not good. Where do we get that knowledge from? Where do we get that knowledge from? It's here. God's Word. God's Word is all that we need. It's all in here. What's the acronym for Bible? Come on, young people, not adults. What's the acronym for Bible? I'm sure we've done it. Aaron, can you remember? <laughs> can you imagine? This is, this is my son. On, on, on the camera, that was my son shouting, I wasn't in youth. But even though you wasn't in youth, I'm sure you were in that session because I dragged you in there. B-I-B-L-E. What's the acronym? Anybody remember the acronym for it? Eden, Eden. Boom, there it is, Eden, my faithful. She's going to be the next youth leader, you know, I'm speaking it forth. She doesn't want to be right now, I can see it in her face. But, you know, you're going to be the next youth leader. Basic instructions before leaving earth. We have everything we need solidified here. But you see, this is not enough. It's not enough. The relationship we have and the desire we have are components that make up the desire and the, the need for transformation. We need to want it. We need to have it. But we need to move in it. The Holy Spirit is the thing that gives us the grace, who gives us the, 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 the spiritual awareness of how. Because even when reading this book, trust me, even now, sometimes I read and I think, oh, what the heck does that mean? What does that mean in real money? What, that does, what does that mean in real life terms? And I know as young people we've been discussing. What did we discuss in our last service? We discussed do not be unevenly yoked, right? We talked about that, how difficult it is to walk with people who are not necessarily bad, but the things they do cause us to get ourselves into trouble, or we become associated because of what they're doing. And the Bible calls us to be aliens of this world. It calls us to be in this world, but not of it. How do we be in the world, but not of the world? Especially as a young person, when it is cool to look a certain way, when it's cool to walk a certain walk, when it's cool to be within a certain fraternity of group of people in school. When, ide when identity when becomes identity so important, becomes so so important, important to, us, to us, that understanding that what understanding God wants for us becomes a conflict. What do we do? We have to desire knowledge. We need to read the word. We need to understand the word. But not only that, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to truly work within us. Now, I know every young person in this room today, every adult in this room, has asked the Lord to come into their lives. Now, I'm not 
a Calvinist. I don't believe once saved, always saved. I'm not. I don't believe that. And I know as a church, we don't believe that. We don't believe that once you are saved, you are always saved. There are aspects of the scriptures that cause us to continue to strive to understand the word of God and to live our lives in accordance to the scriptures. The scriptures are key. But our lives moving forward is what helps us understand and get to that place of glory. We can't rely on a priest telling us to say, do a couple of Hail Marys and you'll be all right. We, we don't rely, wow, we don't rely on taking a lamb as tasty as it is or a pigeon or a bird outside and burning it as a sacrifice. Christ has done that already. Those tokenistic acts are gone. Our lives are what represent who we are in Christ. Our lives are what represent how we move forward from one state of glory to another. So, what is the purpose of transformation? What is the purpose of being changed? How do I, you know, someone said to me this week, bro, Olu, well, they didn't say bro, I'm just hyping that up because we're, we're, we're all, I don't know why I said that. They didn't say bro at all. They said, Olu. <laughs> you know, sometimes as preachers, we want to spice things up so that you can get engaged. But listen, they said to me this, Olu, you've really become a general manager. It took me back. It took me back because a few weeks ago, I was a clinical nurse specialist lead for the outreach team. How do you jump from one state to another state? What are the markers? How do we as Christians move from one state of, of trying to a state where we're, we're holy and in God's presence? I remember when I used to rap and I used to hang out with my guys. You know, we used to really think we were the, we were the ones. We were holy. We looked cool. We had the swagger. We were rapping. We were going around. What enabled us, or what, what, what was it in us that enabled us to be in a state where we, state where when we, we prayed, when we, we, prayed we, we, we fervently we, prayed and we felt the presence of God, even though in the midst of some of the things we were still growing. Some of us, well, not me, but a couple are still sleeping around, but we will ask the Lord to help us in that moment to change. And slowly over the years, that change will happen where you stop and you understand how soul ties happen. You understand that being honorable in the context of that aspect of your life is about change and transformation. Some of us going around, but because our culture is swearing and being hard and being a big man, changing and moving and understanding that we don't need to walk in the old man, that that man needs to be crucified every day. How do we change from those states of glory? It's character. It's character, but ultimately, it's looking to Jesus. Why? Let's, let's turn to the scriptures again. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Sorry, Aaron, I know I'm jumping all over back and forth. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says this. Pre um, we are predestined to be conformed 
to the image of his son. From from whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That scripture basically says this. Our transformation is determined and pushed because we need to strive to be like Christ. So every step we make, every time we stop doing something, every time we move in a way that is ordained and oriented in, t- orientated in terms of the kingdom, every time we are transformed from one bit of glory to another, we are striving to be Christ-like. We are striving to be like him. God is in the transformation business. God wants us to change. No matter our mood, no matter where we are. You know, Kike said to us last week or two weeks ago, over the last week, she, she has these things called wow moments at nursery. Um, at, thank you, my wife said nursery. Um, in, um, what is she, in preschool? Reception, 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 thank you. They're called wow moments. And this is Kike to me the other day. Dad, I'm, I'm a big girl now. I said, oh, why? Why are you a big girl? She said, I don't suck my thumb anymore. I said, hey, Kike, I just saw you. She said, no, no, I don't suck. I'm a big girl now. I'm five, so I don't suck my thumb. Listen, there are going to be moments where we are going to be wanting to the desire, and we will stop, but it might be that we go back. That does not mean that we haven't changed. Our mindset, who we are, how we are predestined, doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. But our desire to move forward, our desire to be Christ-like, our desire to be a new man, the new man in Christ, propels us and enables us to transform in the context of glory. Listen, we always, or we have always, and I, I will... The next time I teach, I'll just continue on this. We always see preachers say that when you get saved, when you are changed, you receive freedom and liberty. They always exaggerate that liberty, isn't it? Liberty. Freedom and liberty in Christ. Listen, it's not true. It doesn't, well, I say it's not true. I believe the miraculous works of the kingdom, God can change you in an instant. I truly believe that. I really do. But more often than none, it takes a process. And what I want to encourage you today is that the process of transformation, the process of change in the context of the word of God, whether you are in a state now and you want to be in a state tomorrow, is all essence in Jesus Christ. And it takes time. Don't rush. Understand who you are. Understand where you're going. Understand what the word says about you. Gain the knowledge and the understanding of the kingdom. You might have a culture and a history in your family which determines that you cannot change, that you cannot move out of where you were. You might have aspects in your life which speak to you where the enemy is telling you because of your history, you cannot change and you cannot transform. It's a lie. 
It's a lie. God wants you to change. He wants the old man to die, and he wants to rise and walk with you. You see, transformation is not just a one-off thing. It's a continual process. Today, I'm a general manager. Tomorrow, by God's grace, I will be an executive director of the services. It's possible. Change is consistent. Brothers and sisters, don't be apathetic about your faith. Don't allow your faith to be stagnant. Don't allow your circumstances to determine you staying where you are. Challenge yourself in the context of Jesus. Challenge yourself in the context of your life. I love what Itoro is doing. It does my nut because every morning I get a ping on that WhatsApp and you see it all. It's dark outside, you know. Hey guys, I'm just at the gym. I'm just opening my eyes and she's at the gym. Listen, transformation is a deliberate process. And listen, if you are struggling, read the word, listen to what Etoro says. Because change is possible if you desire and push yourself. You've got to push yourself. And the Bible says that. Do not be complacent in where you were, but strive to who he is in you. I'm going to end with this. Don't get caught up. <clears throat> Don't get caught up in what you think you should be. Deborah and I, I, I've been learning the guitar for about 20 years. <laughs> I've had loads of guitar. I've got guitars on my walls. I've got guitars in my loft. I've been learning the guitar for ages. Speaking to Deborah the other day, she just bought a guitar. The hardest thing about learning guitar is that you want to be in the place of the people that you see up there the next day. So you buy the guitar and then you expect by the morning you're going to be up there playing. And then when you strum it, you realize, ah, this is, this, it's, not, it's not easy. You think, okay, all they're doing is strumming and moving the left hand up and down the fret. It's not that simple. It's a process of deliberate change. I remember my brother Toby, and I will end with this and I'll continue. He dedicated one year of the first year of his university life to learning the guitar. He was already a trumpist. Um, one of the great things about being a musician is if, if you're a mathematician, it, it comes easy. I don't know why, but there's something about maths and music which just go hand in hand. I hate maths. <laughs> it's a struggle. But you know what? If I have enough passion, if I have enough desire, and I have enough drive, just like my brother, by the end, in fact, by the middle of that year, he became one of the top guitarists in the country, working with, what's that girl's name? Oh, yeah, he worked with Duffy after, but there was another, oh, I've forgotten her name, not Misha Paris. Oh, I've forgotten. Beverly Knight. And on his, the, uh, on his first... They have, what do they call it? I school and Frosty. But the first year when they have their celebration um, in the middle of the year when you're a first year university student and they have a big refreshers, the freshers kind of celebration towards the end of the year. He was in the crowd. I, I remember him saying, 
he was in the crowd, Beverly Knight came on and she said, we've got one of your own and la la la. And Toby walked up to the stage. People were like, whoa. And he got up there and he just played. And for, in fact, the university used him in all their advertising because he then just skyrocketed from Beverly Knight. He went to Duffy, from Duff, and it's just escalated. He's in, the, he's in the industry now. But you see his passion and drive, he saw the goal and he went for it. He transformed from a state of not being able to play to a state where he was in command. God wants us to be in a place where we can command his kingdom, command his spirit, and move in terms of our lives. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind.